Welcome to the Better Humans Brigade. It's a podcast for fine folks who want to make the world a better place. We've got a lot of successful companies, a lot of successful products, but what the world really needs right now is people who are successful at being a good human being. So that's what I'm hoping to share with this podcast, and I appreciate you listening in. Thanks for being here. And today's episode is Why Vulnerability Often Feels Impossible. It's actually a blog post that I wrote, and I got some really great feedback from it, but it was really long, and I wondered if recording it with my own voice would be, um, I don't know, it just sounded like a fun idea. I thought of it and I thought, hmm, I'm going to do that. And it's my podcast, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to read and also maybe, you know, jump in with different comments and stuff. Cause I've since publishing it, I thought of a bunch of other things I wanted to say too. So rather than it become a novel, I thought I would stop there and then, um, I could add to it. So here we go. Vulnerability is a hot topic these days. It's right up there with being authentic and a spiritual gangster. I'll share what thoughts I have from my ever-changing and rapidly evolving life experience and also those of my clients. Vulnerability, I think, feels like a real son-of-a-bitch paradox, mostly because it is one. As Brene Brown has expounded and written about, to be vulnerable means to open ourselves to be wounded or hurt. And who the hell wants that? When many people think of the word vulnerability, they might immediately think of a romantic relationship. They might think of opening their heart to a stranger, you know, when we first meet somebody, and hoping that lust would actually be real love. They showed something tender and true about their physical or mental state and trusted that it would be safe. And then it wasn't. And that felt horrible, so they fear being hurt again. And that's the vulnerability that we often see or think about in mostly in the media. They fear being rejected, humiliated, demeaned, disrespected. I mean, this is what happens between people in relationships, mostly because they're not equipped with really great relationship skills. None of us are really given that. And then we kind of (laughs) inadvertently make a mess of each other's lives. Um, But that's what people fear, and they fear any other similar kind of word for the experience of wanting to disappear in the hole in the floor. Let's also throw in invalidated, infantilized, and invisibilized. If any of those sound unfamiliar, stay with me, because I'll explain. Because vulnerability extends far beyond romantic relationships. But again, who wants that experience of being hurt? Who would choose any of that on purpose? That's why we avoid being vulnerable. But the irony is, the more we avoid the hurt, the more hurt we become. What we seek to avoid, we experience in greater amounts. The more we try to protect ourselves, the more we bear the weight of a life half-lived. Instead of being vulnerable or opening ourselves up to more hurt, we try more each day to cover and protect what feels ugly or uncomfortable or broken until each and every person ends up becoming a threat. Colleagues, friends, family, strangers on the street, even trolls on social media. Even though we all know not to take trolls personally or seriously, we do let them penetrate and puncture our wee hearts. If vulnerability is something we all crave, why does it often feel so impossible to find or feel? The way I see it, vulnerability often feels impossible for these reasons. And here I give three reasons, and like I said in the intro, I found or thought of other things. 
So I'll try to add them in as I think of them. So number one is people can't give you what they aren't giving themselves. We make really sweeping grand assumptions that people have way more skills and way more capacity than they actually do. It goes for most humans because we can only give what we've been taught or what we've been given ourselves by our parents or primary caregivers, teachers, mentors along the way. And that's all based on a really limited range of what people of different identities actually need. Yes, we're all human and share the same underlying basic needs like food and shelter and things like that, but there are also variations based on internal or external differences. Basically, the way that we were raised and what we were given really varies, and it's really different, and so we're going to have different needs based on what we've been given or what we've been deprived growing up. Many people lack the self-awareness to know or the discipline necessary to fulfill their own needs. Don't fall for appearances or what it looks like people are doing or being or having. In fact, sometimes the flashier the show, the worse the actual conditions of their lives. It's called overcompensating. (laughs) The truth is most people lack the capacity to face and deal with their own suffering. And then here we come along trying to get a little bit of airtime for our grievances. But you can't draw water from a dry well. And it ends up making your thirst for validation and support, especially when you're needing it, even worse. We try to get support, and we see how everyone's clamoring for some wood to cling to, like the sinking scene in Titanic. For the most part, we're all Rose with no room for Jack. (laughs) Number two, people really suck at listening. They just really do. Most conversation is just two people competing to be heard. So we spend more time waiting for the other person to take a breath so we can say, yeah, and here's what's happening in my life, or here's what I think about what you said, or let me fix that for you. Then we do listening to what's actually coming out of a person's mouth. And if we don't say it, if we actually don't say words, we're often thinking them in our heads. And this is often without even being aware of how much we're judging and assessing and filtering and wondering. We're really hardly being present at all, but we don't even know that we're doing that. Being a coach changed this about me over the past eight years, as well as a lot of personal development work I've done. But it's not changed it for me as quickly or as thoroughly as I'd prefer most days, Uh, but it's better than it was. People don't or can't listen for many reasons, so it often feels impossible to open up and share because there's just no space for it. We can barely get a sentence out before someone's swooping in with some cliche bullshit that they say often to make themselves feel better, which we'll get to, or they make it about them. There's relating... Like, oh, I can relate to that. I feel the same way. And then there's hijacking a conversation to make it about them. And the line between that is really fine, like spider twine. But most people lack the self-awareness to even know the difference. Number three, people patronize to maintain power. So that's another reason why it's hard. And it might feel impossible to be vulnerable because subconsciously people are being patronizing, and they're doing things to feel powerful in a moment. And here's why. People seek to maintain control and have power to avoid feeling out of control. Being out of control means being vulnerable, so some people determine other people to be less than 
to maintain a feeling of power and that control. We experience this as momsplaining and mansplaining, both of which create a power differential that is neither pleasant nor supportive. Yes, women and men and folks of all genders in between are guilty of being patronizing to those they deem less than. When all we need is to be heard, unsolicited advice lands as condescending and patronizing. And then when we try to be vulnerable and express that it's occurring that way to us, those people respond with more defensiveness. Why? Because the advice they give is never really for us. It's to make that other person feel better. It's their need to control the conversation or their need to control the feelings that your pain is triggering within them. I didn't really experience momsplaining until I transitioned. And if I did, I don't think I noticed it. My own mother didn't do it much, mostly because she hardly listens to what I say. See number one and number two above. And she, like most people, jumped to fixing or judging or invalidating whatever tender truth I was trying to share. So this new experience of momsplaining feels incredibly gross to me, especially when I'm sharing from my own fully formed truth to inspire or encourage people as an adult and as a professional coach. When I share vulnerably from my life, in my work, or on social media, I'm not doing it because I'm seeking validation or support. I'm doing it so other people don't feel alone. And for so many reasons, most of which have nothing to do with me, people, mostly women, jump in and instead of sharing how they resonate with what I said, or relate to it, or how it inspired them, they do like they do with male or female peers of mine, they write or say things to take care of me, which would be really nice if it didn't publicly erode my credibility as a mature professional sharing vulnerably to help other people. And this is why it often feels impossible for me to be vulnerable, not because I don't want to share, but because of the, re- the response and the behaviors of what other people do which we'll get to in a second. Perhaps since vulnerability is so rare, especially coming from the mouths of men or male-perceived individuals, women often jump in to save me from the perils of my own self-awareness. They infantilize me, projecting an image of their lost or lonely son onto me. Or if women have dated a man and it didn't really go the way they wanted it to or something, you know, basically we're all mirrors for each other and people will project onto me whatever um, relationship they're trying to subconsciously or consciously fix that didn't, that didn't or isn't going the way they wanted to. Um, it's become more clear to me that women have a real thing around like fixing and healing and taking care of men. It's basically a nurturing capacity gone wrong, which I'll talk about in another podcast. Um, So basically, yeah, my status of self-employed professional coach is smothered under these folks' need to stop the bleeding, even though I'm happy to let it flow from my open heart. And I can both appreciate their intentions and candidly name this as problematic behavior. This is one example that I'm sharing as an example from my life, but people of many different identities, particularly marginalized identities, experience similar dynamics of being invalidated, infantilized, or invisibilized by other people who often have more power and more privilege in society. And these people seek to maintain some sort of power differential based on appearances, longstanding cultural norms, and status. 
And like I said earlier, most of this is subconscious, unconscious. People are just um, machines, and they don't really have the self-awareness to even know what they're doing or the ability to have enough empathy or emotional intelligence to notice the impact that it's having on another person. And then when that person, like I said, tries to speak to it, they have more defensiveness because they're protecting the paradigm that they are in. I hope this is making sense. Uh, Number four, people just cannot hold space. For all the reasons so far that I've listed, this is similar to listening, which we talked about, but it happens after we express ourselves. So it's that moment where we've shared something, so maybe the person was or wasn't listening, and it isn't what expect, it's not what people expected to hear, and it's what they do as a result. So that's what holding space is. Holding space is about just being with whatever comes out of a person's mouth. And it's a skill to develop because people often just need to say something that's true in a moment of time. It's not an indictment of who we've always been or will forever be, but it's a realization or an epiphany or some unearthed truth. And most people, because of the reasons I've explained, just can't hang. They just can't be with that. The energy of such raw, honest self-awareness is rare and it's powerful, and most people lack the capacity to hang out and be with it. When we're vulnerable and we claim our voice and our power, it frightens people. The truth we share may be a bit more than they can bear because they rarely do this for themselves. That's why it often feels impossible to be vulnerable. We open ourselves to be wounded, and people swoop in and hurt us, unknowingly, often, from their own need to protect themselves. In their own attempt to hold up the dam, they attempt to slam the doors shut on our freedom and our self-expression. These are a few reasons why it often feels impossible to be vulnerable, and you can see it mostly involves coming up against the limitations of other people. It feels impossible because we have unrealistic expectations of other people. We think they are less broken or fragile or inept than they are, and then we are. We think they have it all together because they try to convince us of that or because we fantasize that they do. It often feels impossible to be vulnerable because we measure our risk of opening up against our hopes of what people can hold and the reality of how few folks have The reality of how few resources folks have hits us really hard. The hurt we feel is perhaps our realization and disappointment that none of us have as much to give as we all really need. So we need to be vulnerable knowing this. Being vulnerable knowing most others can't be is real freedom. When you can do it, it's pretty awe-inspiring. It's what we all hope to feel and experience with another human being, the actual potential of vulnerability, which is the leaping and landing safely in the presence of another. And while it might feel impossible, it is not. We just need more practice doing and being it with each other. And therein lies the rub. Are you up to the project of learning how to be that safe place to land for yourself first and for other people? The reward is worth the work and the heartache involved. Trust me. So that was the post, and it got some great responses from people. Like I said, it's kind of long for a blog post, blog post probably, so it might be appropriate for some other form of writing, but I just am experimenting. After a long time of not putting my writing and my thoughts out into the world, I'm experimenting with just doing it and not worrying too much about the format or 
things like that. Basically worrying about it not being perfect. Um, so some other things that I thought of since then is um, why it often feels impossible to be vulnerable is because people have ulterior motives. And that and th- and they may or may not be conscious or 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 unconscious, and uh, you know this can manifest as people like using you. So this was something that I've noticed, and I've I've noticed it with my um, clients, of course, too. Is people will be wolves in sheep's clothing, and they'll kind of tell you what you want to hear, and they'll manipulate you to get something that they need and something that they want. But if you have an open heart and you're being vulnerable, you're going to walk right into that. And it's going to take seeing clearly what's actually going on, which might take some time to reveal itself um, before you can step away and remove yourself. And that hurts. And so it can be easy to be like, um, well, that was horrible, so I don't want to do that again. Or how could I have not seen that? Like we immediately kind of beat ourselves up for that rather than just seeing that that's what that was and it was a good experience and it was a good lesson and moving on with fresh eyes and an open heart to a new person. But it's hard. It's hard to have experienced trauma like that and not um, have that lens forever coloring how you see and interact with people and, and, um, and your trust. I mean, your, your inherent trust of people because people can be sly, <laughs> uh, and, and you have to, you have to have boundaries and you have to use some good discernment, give people a chance to see, um, kind of what their motives really are. That's another thing that came to mind about why vulnerability often feels impossible and um, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I'm curious if this revealed anything to you. I feel like a lot of what's out there right now, people talk about um, how you have to be vulnerable, but they don't really talk about the kind of complex reasons why it actually feels like a challenge. So uh, that's, that's my contribution to this conversation that's currently happening uh, culturally, which I think is great. And um, thanks for tuning in. And I hope that you keep doing that and share this with your friends so they know about a resource where they can come to become a better human being. For more thoughts and words and inspiration uh, just like this, you can also head over to my website, dylandgiovanni.com. And if you're even inspired to reach out to me for a consultation and do some work together, I'd be happy to hear from you and perhaps support you in taking this content into your life and applying it and practicing in a way that is uh, more individual and you get some really great results. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a great day.